This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family of God in Johannesburg, South Africa. So good to be back with you again. Praise the Lord. God is so good, is He not? Today we begin a brand new series titled The Supernatural Power of Intercession. Get ready to learn a lot in this short series, four or five parts, and get ready for the meat of God's Word as we move along, and get ready for a life-changing experience. Your prayer life will move up many notches as you listen to this series. Praise God. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us us. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, in IV translation, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now notice this word, you shall receive power. Jesus did not say you might receive power or some of you will receive power. He said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness for God. The gift of speaking in tongues is part of this dispensation, which begins at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs will follow, not might, will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. He didn't say some will speak in new tongues. He said they, the believer, will speak with new tongues. So Jesus mentioned five supernatural signs here that would follow the believer. One of these signs is the gift of speaking in tongues. Uh, Now, you might say the gift of being able to pray in a heavenly prayer language. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down into the upper room on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, where the 120 followers of Jesus were all praying. They were all full of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues when he came upon them. They went down into the streets of the city from the upper room, and a great crowd of people gathered around them, amazed by their behavior. Then some folks said that the 120 were drunk. Peter got up and began to explain what had just taken place. Let's read what he says in Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all 
people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below. Now the crowd asked Peter, what shall we do about this? They believe what Peter said. <clears throat> Listen to Peter's reply in Acts 2.38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What you just saw now in these 120 you will receive. Once you accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, and you get baptized, you will receive this gift as well. Because the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This gift is for everybody who receives Christ as Savior. That's what Peter just said. Now, the Holy Spirit does not force a believer to speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit enables the believer to speak in other tongues. He enables us. We do it. The believer must step out in faith, open their mouth and begin to speak. Some people miss it when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit because they think they must wait for God to move their tongue. They'll sit and wait forever. It won't happen. It does not say that the Holy Spirit spoke for them. It did not say that. It did not say in Acts 2 the Holy Spirit spoke for them. It says they all spoke in tongues. They all began to speak. They began to speak. Now go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, notice the word pray, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. Not my mind, when I speak in tongues or pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, not my mind. So praying in tongues is more than a type of prayer. It is our complete heavenly prayer language, which we can use to speak directly to God. The phrase... Pray in tongues occurs several times in the Bible, in the New Testament. And the phrase, speak in tongues, occurs over a dozen times in the New Testament. Now, there are two different, distinct gifts of tongues mentioned in the New Testament. Two different, distinct gifts of tongues mentioned in the New Testament. Number one, 
the gift of tongues for personal edification, where we speak to God in prayer. And number two, the gift of tongues for public edification, where God speaks to us through someone in public meetings that open their mouth and speak out to the congregation in other tongues. And you'll see that all in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Spirit are found there. So the second gift I mentioned where God speaks to us is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit found in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. But that particular gift is always accompanied with interpretation of tongues. Otherwise, no one will understand what was said. So either the person who gave the message or somebody else will interpret the message. All right, now go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? That's the question. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the question, do all speak in tongues, is in reference to the gift of tongues with interpretation for public edification. This verse is not referring to tongues for personal edification. It's not talking about prayer. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Obviously not. That's referring to public ministry in church service or in an evangelistic meeting. But all do pray in tongues. Okay, now go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. It says, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. All right? When we pray in tongues, our spirit prays, not the mind. The mind does not understand. So in the previous verse, verse 13, we read, Paul said, let him who speaks in tongue pray that he may interpret. Interpret what he said. Because when you speak in tongues, your head doesn't understand what you're saying. So you can pray in tongues, and then you can actually ask God for the interpretation and speak out what you prayed in your home natural language. All right. Notice this, when we speak in tongues, neither we nor others understand what we are saying. Speaking in tongues flows out of the spirit, bypassing the mind. Bypassing the mind. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, this time from the New King James translation. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful, doesn't understand. What is the conclusion then? I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll also pray with the understanding. So Paul said he prays in other tongues, and he also prays in his home language. It's good to pray in both languages, or whatever language you choose to pray in. Verse 15, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I like to do that in church when I'm worshiping God, the song's beautiful, the words are beautiful. But sometimes I just start flowing over into worshiping in the spirit and singing tongues while everybody else is singing that song in English or whatever language they're singing in. I'll just sing in tongues and come back and sing in English again 
and so on. I'll change between one and the other during the worship service. <clears throat> and I would encourage folks to do that. If you sense that happen in your heart, go ahead and do it. Now go back to the Old Testament. I'm reading from Isaiah 40 and verse 29. Isaiah 40, verse 29. It says, New King James, God gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he gives or he increases strength. So God gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30 says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Even young people will run out of energy, he says. Then God, God goes on to say in verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall renew their strength, those who wait on the Lord. That means when you sit quietly before God, pray in the Spirit, worship God in the Spirit, read your Bible, you will renew your strength. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We can renew our strength, family. In times of challenge, difficulty, stress, we can renew our strength to keep going with God's strength. Anytime we want to, we can do that. Anytime we want to. It's not up to God to renew our strength. He's not going to do it. It's up to us. He said, those who wait, God will do it. God will do it. Those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. We have to drink from this living water. Take a drink. So we can renew our strength anytime we want to. There are Christians who are weak, and it is certainly not God's will for them to be that way. As we wait on the Lord, our strength is renewed. You'll see the same thing in the New Testament as well, in John 7, verse 37. Now let's talk about the power of intercession. Now we're going to start moving into the deep water here, the strong meat from here on in our series. Now there is a dimension of prayer that God wants us to understand and operate in. If we are not already doing so, God wants us to understand it and operate in it, and that is the prayer of supernatural intercession, supernatural power of intercession. Say that with me. God wants us to enter into the supernatural power of intercession. Praise God. All right, the basic purpose and function of the prayer of supernatural intercession is to pray for other people, for individuals, for families, for communities as a whole, for cities as a whole, and for nations as a whole. The best and most effective way to pray for nations is the supernatural power of intercessory prayer. And God will change their lives. God's will shall be accomplished 
in that community or nation or city if we will pay the price and do this. In this kind of prayer, we have the privilege of working with God. We have the privilege to stand on behalf of those who cannot yet stand for themselves. We are working with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to use us to impact and affect change in the lives of others. In the prayer of intercession, the supernatural power of intercession, God lays it on your heart and mine to pray for a person or a situation or a city or a nation, and you will then begin to pray on behalf of that person or situation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Many times the person who you are praying for will not even know that prayer is being offered on their behalf. But things will change in their life. God has called every believer to this ministry of the supernatural power of intercessory prayer. Every believer. You can see that here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to us here, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Those words are so powerful. Let's pause here for a minute. God said intercede on their behalf. He didn't say pray for them. He said pray on their behalf. Pray on their behalf. You're praying instead of them praying. You're praying in their place for them. It's a big difference. Just praying for somebody, but you're praying in their place on their behalf for them. And give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings or presidents and all who are in authority for the government so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So if we are not experiencing quiet and peaceful lives marked by godliness and dignity in our nations, there's only us to blame. God said we can have it if we'll pray. We're going to learn how to do this, how to enter into that dimension of this supernatural power of intercession to change nations. Praise God. It's not too late. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. God wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. God would not urge us to pray for all people and ask him to help them if prayer did not work. I hope I can say it. I can't say it any clearer than that. I'll say it again. God would not urge us to pray for all people and ask him to help them 
if prayer did not work. From this scripture, we can conclude that our prayers release God's tremendous power on the behalf of other people. John Wesley, a mighty man of God, said this many years ago. It seems God is limited by our prayer life and that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. It seems like God can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Mark eleven seventeen. Then Jesus taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations? Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah 56. Under the old covenant, God said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now that's Interesting, back in Israel, in the Old Covenant, God is telling his people to pray for all nations, not just the Israelites. Isaiah 56, we read, that is God's desire to gather the nations, to bring them to his holy mountain and make them joyful in his house of prayer. So God is saying in Isaiah 56, is his desire to bring all nations to salvation. And Jesus is quoting from that. He was confirming that God's people are called to pray and intercede for those who cannot or do not know how to pray for themselves. Again, I'll say that. Jesus was confirming that God's people are called to pray and intercede for those who cannot or do not know how to pray for themselves. Now go to Psalm 2 in verse 8. God said in New King James Translation, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. At the ends of the earth, for your possession. Praise God. So God is saying, we can conquer the nations with love and the power of God and bring peace on earth. Yes, we can. God said that in several places in the Bible. Many, in fact. Unfortunately, the sad thing is that most Christians don't know how to pray. They don't know how to tap into the supernatural power of intercessory prayer. And we're going to learn how to do that in this mini-series. Again, God instructs us to ask him. Right here, ask me for the nations. God's heart is for salvation to come to the nations. He calls the nations our inheritance. Yes, they would be God's children if they got born again, but they're our inheritance. When you pray collectively, individually, for revival in South Africa and across Africa and around the world, 
When people start coming into the kingdom, you will receive an eternal inheritance. Those souls will be accounted as your reward. And you know, I believe with all my heart that there will come a time in eternity when those people will recognize I'm here because of your praying. They'll come shake your hand. and Thank you. What a wonderful day that will be. What a wonderful day that will be. Now, we are going to go deep into this subject. This is going to be strong meat. We will learn things about the power of prayer that we never knew, that we never knew. Very powerful, very exciting, and very interesting. That's where we're going. This is the end of part one in our series. And while Pastor Bev comes up, she's going to make an announcement here in a minute. I'd like to read for you from my book, Faith for Today, a daily devotional. I'm going to read one of the days. This is teaching us how to exercise faith. Every day is a faith, faith lesson. This particular one is the battle for the mind. The battle for the mind. The children of Israel spent 430 years in Egypt as slaves. They saw how God brought Egypt to its knees with devastating plagues. They saw God part the Red Sea so they could walk over on dry land. They saw God close the sea on the Egyptian army as they tried to cross. God brought them to the promised land, their inheritance. When they arrived at the borders of Canaan, they were too afraid of the giants to go in. Even though God was clearly on their side, they said, we cannot conquer the giants. In their minds, they were still slaves. Before anyone can take possession of their inheritance, they must be set free. People who are held captive in their minds because of their past experiences must be set free in their thinking before they can enter into what God has for them. No one can hold on to Egypt and enter Canaan at the same time. You've got to let go of Egypt first. Fear is the result of a mind that has not been set free by the word of God. Again, fear is the result of a mind that has not been set free by the word of God. Good confession. I must say this with me. I must consciously... Work at meditating on and quoting scriptures that deal directly with my fears. Jesus said, I will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. Praise God. That's one of the lessons of faith in our daily devotional. I encourage you to get this. 
All right, so now, if you need prayer for healing, deliverance, family needs, financial needs, come up to the platform right now. The pastors, fellowship group leaders, <clears throat> all leaders are up on the platform ready to pray for you. If you'd like to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, come up to the platform right now. And while they're coming and being ministered to, the worship team is going to play and minister to us in, in worship. And I encourage you all sitting back there, I assume you all speak in tongues because you would be up here if you didn't, right? So I'm going to invite all of you to start praying right now for South Africa. South Africa needs our prayers, child of God. For many reasons. And one particular reason that I can think of right now is electricity, the power grid. These power grids have been failing and getting worse over the years. And if they shut down altogether, that could be very serious because people will run out of water because that gets pumped into their houses. They'll run out of um, petrol for their cars because that gets pumped out of the petrol browser into your car by electricity. The grocery stores will run out of food because farmers will not be able to produce food and the trucks will run out of petrol to get them anything that they've got left to the grocery stores. And you'd have to walk to the grocery store if you don't have a car. And even then, it won't be working because there'll be no electricity in the store. It would be chaos. There would be violence in the streets, for sure. I want to encourage you, don't let that happen, child of God. It might take a year, it might take two years. I don't know how long it will take for that to happen. It might be longer, but if we don't fix this problem, it's going to happen, right? But God can turn this around. Obviously, people in power don't know what they're doing. Somewhere along the line, somebody doesn't know what they're doing to make this happen. But God can put the right people in the right place at the right time to fix this, and he can provide the money to fix this. Let's pray. Let's not put our faith in humanity now. Let's put our faith in God. Start praying, church, while the rest of them up here are getting ministered to. God bless you. I'll come back for the altar call in a minute. Okay, praise God. You can go back to your seats, everybody. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, pastors and leaders for ministering. Thank you for praying and preparing so that you can be anointed to minister to the people. We really appreciate your spending time with God before coming to the service today. All right, so now before I do the altar call here, while you're going back to your seats, I'm going to invite Pastor Bev to share a little bit about the ladies' meeting that's coming up. Thank you, my angel. Wow, wasn't that a powerful message? Thank you for praying. South Africa, Johannesburg, we want you to know that we are praying for you, interceding for you, one church, many locations. Okay, girls, are you excited? Yay, guess what? 
We are having our first women's conference the 11th of March. That's right, the 11th of March. And as I was praying and walking, the Lord gave me the name for the uh, uh, for our meeting, and it's called Gather. That's right, we're going to gather together. You know, um, Apostle Theo, when the disciples gathered together in the upper room, what happened? The power of God came down. Where two or three are gathered together, Jesus is in the midst. Well, we're going to gather together, daughters, nieces, mothers, grands, aunts, sisters, we're going to gather together and we're going to see what God is going to do. So, so get ready. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. He's going to show up at our gather March the 11th. Praise the Lord. Sounds very exciting. All right. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I want to be sure I go to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going. I need to be sure. I don't want to die and miss heaven. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a little prayer. God's going to speak to your heart and give you the assurance that you will go to heaven. This is something we all have to need. We all need. We all have to have it. And if you want this today, you want to go home with that assurance in your heart, praise God, I'm going to heaven. If you want that, you can have it right now when I pray this little prayer. God will do it for you if you invite him to do so, by raising your hand when I count to three before I pray. All right, I'm gonna count to three, slip your hand up, and then when I pray, God will minister to you. You take one little step toward God, he'll take many toward you. That's how that works. All right, I'm counting. One, two, three. Praise God, praise God. Raise those hands. Now, somebody who knows our prayer is going to rest their hand on your shoulder, let you know that we love you, and Jesus loves you while I pray this little prayer. I invite everybody present to say the prayer with me so that those who are raising their hands don't feel shy um, and that they can say it along with all of us, okay? So everybody, please say the prayer, especially you that raise your hands. Here we go. Dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross in my place. You punished him for me. He paid the price for my sins so I can be forgiven. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sin. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare you are the Lord of my life. I will live for you from today with all my heart. Thank you for saving me. God is now my father. I'm now God's child. I'm born into God's family and I'm bound for heaven. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Give him all a great big praise God, everybody. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, 
www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 